Hey, what is up, guys? This is John Nelson, and you are listening to the Starting Block Podcast. If you are looking for a show that's going to give you the insight into complete athletic development, then you have found the right spot. So welcome. If you're new to our show, welcome. We're glad you have tuned in, and we appreciate it. We're going to give you a quick breakdown of how our show works. We are a little bit different than your standard podcast. We have a variety of different episodes within our show. So the first type of episode is going to be a standard Q&A. This is where myself and my co-host Chris, what's up, sir? What's up, what's up? Where myself and co-host Chris Scarborough and sometimes my wife Mandy, when she is available for the show, We'll come on and we'll answer your questions on air. And these questions can be related to anything that's got to do with athletics. So it can be strength, speed, power, agility, rehab, nutrition, the neuro side of it. We tackle all of it. Chris, where can people send those questions? To me, Instagram, fast and agile 49. Awesome. And then, guys, you can reach me at ELP underscore John on Instagram as well. Or you can also get us at Elite Level Performance. We're there as well. That is episode number one. Episode number two is going to be a guest interview. That's where Chris and I will bring in our colleagues from literally across the world, and we will chat with them, just have a conversation, but they're going to share their stories of how they win, because remember, that, guys, that's the mission of the show. The mission of our show is to give you all the tools that you need to win. That's what it's all about, whether that is being the athlete, the parent, or the coach. We want you guys to succeed. That's why we bring you this information. And so our colleagues will come on. They share their stories, their tools for success. And that's what today is. And I'm going to get the uh, the guest on here in just a second here. But uh, the final episode is going to be our Friday Fire, in fact. And that's basically about 10 to 20 minutes of what some people call me ranting, but I like to say it's guided wisdom, all right? That might be motivational. It might be a little bit of social media branding. It may be something that's not related to training. So, guys, remember, keep the training questions, the Q&A. Friday Fire, in fact, is a, a little bit more you know, geared towards you know, some other side of, of the training rehab element. Um, so with that, remember, guys, there's a fee. We do ask that you share the show, okay? Share the show. Please leave us a review. Get the word out there because that's ultimately why this show is out here is for you guys. Now, now that we're done with all the housekeeping stuff, guys, it is my distinct pleasure, distinct pleasure to welcome an individual who has had a massive impact on both Chris and I and has, I, I really, I'm so excited. I'm almost kind of at a loss of words for even how to introduce her because her book literally changed the way that I view everything. And uh, guys, I am pleased to welcome Dr. Carol McMakin. Welcome, Doc. Thank you very much for having me. This is exciting. Yes, Dr. McMakin is with Frequency Specific Microcurrent. Now, Doc, the company is Frequency Specific, correct? Frequency Specific Seminars is the seminar company that teaches Frequency Specific Microcurrent. Gotcha. Frequency Specific Microcurrent is the technique that I developed in 1996, started teaching it in 97, um, based on a list of frequencies that I got from an osteopath who bought a practice in 1946 Mm -hmm. that came with a machine in the back room. That was wrapped up in a sheet, and yeah, I I know that. I don't want to share. I don't remember the story. I read the book though. Come on, John, tell the story. Come on. And that machine came with a list of frequencies, and we started using it in 
95, 96, 97, I had to teach it to find out if it was reproducible. And yeah. over the last 25 years, I can teach anybody to do it because the effects are reproducible. So it's yeah. way fun. Now, guys, for those of you that are like, you're not sure exactly what microcurrent is, obviously, Dr. McMakin will we'll, we'll dig into that a little more. But you guys have had experience. If you're with you know ELP, you've had a lot of experience by no means to the level that she does it, but you know, through use of the newbie. Okay. You know, there are microcurrent possibilities with that. We also, um, you know, have done it with some other things in the past, but that's generally what microcurrent is, is that subsensory type of, um, you know, current that you feel. Now, as we dig into this a little bit, I want to say, you know, doc, I, I was telling Chris this earlier, like we've had, we, there's a number of people that know that you're joining our show. And I told them, I was like, man, she, she is just, She's brilliant. Like Dr. McMakin is a, is a brilliant mind. And I got to admit, like, I don't get nervous, but I'm actually a little nervous. And I was like, man, guys, like, what do I ask? Like, where do I even start? And I was like, I don't know what to, I don't even know what to ask her. And uh, so one of my college athletes actually said, you know what, man, why don't you just ask her what her favorite color is and start there? <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. My favorite color is blue. So yeah. I wrote is blue um when i first was in chiropractic college george douglas was the chiropractor that knew the osteopath who brought the frequencies and he was my partner for 31 years and he would tell people to visualize the color blue in a sprained ankle and it re helps reduce inflammation and pain, visualizing the color blue. And it's ended up being my favorite color. So our logo is blue and white. That's, that's how we roll. That's <laughs> awesome. I figured that was a great way to start the show. Um, well, I know that you, you had given uh, at least a little bit of this story on, I think it was your first experience with that old machine you were referring to. I think. It was your first experience, but it was, I believe it was on a runner. Can you, can you tell our audience a little more about that? It, it wasn't, the old machine was still a microcurrent machine. It okay. was called the Precision Micro, 14 pounds, analog, blue box, two channels made by Glenn Smith. And um, I was doing manual trigger point therapy. So uh, trained in trigger point therapy, can't remember the technique, but it was basically Travel ischemic compression. And this runner came in with trigger points in her gastroc, lower leg, posterior muscle. And I'm working on her with my thumbs and doing ischemic compression on this spot. And she came in with her pain of three or four. And all of a sudden her pain escalated to like six or seven, really bothersome. George was one of my teachers. George Douglas was one of my teachers at school. And I told the patients, like, hang on one second. I'll be right back. Got on the phone, called George, and said, "Her pain. I'm doing this thing with my thumbs. Her pain just went up. What do I do? And he said, you've got the blue box there. Put 18 hertz on channel A and 62 hertz on channel B. And put the set the pads up so that the two channels cross and do that 
and see what happens. So I did that. I said, what's 18 and 62? And he said, oh, I'll tell you if it works. Did that, ran it in 10 minutes. Her pain went from a seven to a zero. The trigger point was gone. I, she left. I called George back and said, what did I just do? He said, well, 18 is the frequency to stop bleeding and 62 is the frequency for the arteries. And, um, and I think what you did was you broke a blood vessel when you were doing the ischemic compression and she started bleeding and that's always really painful. And I said, where'd the frequencies come from? From the list. What list? Well, the list I got from Harry Van Gelder. And that's where the story started. So over the next year, I got, we started working on myofascial pain using the frequencies for minerals in the muscle belly and the fascia. And that was my first published paper, the first we presented at the American Back Society. So I'm, I was a pharmaceutical salesman for 16 years. So I know the medical side of stuff. And then I became a chiropractor because when I applied to medical school, I was 42 with a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. And my med school interview was all about being 42 with a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. So I went to chiropractic college. And um, that's how it all started, was treating muscle pain. And then in 98, we figured out how to treat nerve pain. And then in 99, we figured out that inflammation in the spinal cord would treat fibromyalgia associated with spine trauma. Then we started treating new injuries by stopping bleeding and reducing inflammation. So the, the basic premise of FSM is what tissue is it and what's wrong with it? And it makes you think. So the seminars have become about teaching people how to think when they have a tool that allows them to do things that are otherwise impossible. So why would you even think about being able to stop bleeding unless you had a tool and prevent bruising unless you had a tool that would let you do that? So I have why a... Why would you... Go ahead. Oh, no, my apologies for interrupting there. Oh, um, no. But I want to I want to go a little deeper into that same story, which I have never heard anyone ask, and that is, let's let's go back in time now and let's take that same tool. Okay, you have you have eighteen and sixty two. Um, so you said, am I clear that not only was the acute injury of the bleeding taken care of, but also the actual pain she came in with was also oh yeah. So uh, I, got, I got rid of the trigger point with manual compression. Ischemic compression works. Okay. Um, I, was, I had Travell and Simons on my shelf. As a matter of fact, I was married to David Simons for the last five years of his life. That was an adventure, I'll tell you. Um, so I, had, I was taught trigger point therapy, and I knew ischemic compression worked, but nobody told me that it, there was a chance I was going to break a blood vessel. 
So I'd already taken care of the trigger point and it caused the bleeding and then the frequencies and the microcurrent stopped the bleeding and the whole thing was done. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, that was I was wondering, it's like that it seems almost like it'd be two separate injuries and it was mm-hmm. treated two different exactly. ways. So going back then, how would you then, w- would you do any additional steps on a patient like that who presents with that exact same issue today? Would you do any additional steps? I mean, clearly, you know, you would do the 18 and 62, but would you do anything? Would you do do anything for nerve pain, for example, or anything like that? Do you practice mind reading on your spare time? (laughs) (laughs) I listen to all your podcasts, Dr. Emma. Yeah. (laughs) So when when you have a tool that lets you manipulate or influence is probably a better word influence the nervous system dissolve scar tissue it's not enough to have a patient who comes in with trigger points and you just treat that so dry needling my objection to dry needling for trigger points or even injection for trigger points is that you're just treating the muscle what caused it? They don't come from space. When I partnered, married David Simons, every single night he was using a theracane to dig on the trigger points in his QLs and his psoas. And when we took our first trip together, we went to Philadelphia to lecture at Jefferson, and he's sitting in our room and he said, you have got to treat my low back. And by then I'd already published two papers on trigger points, so he thought I knew my way around trigger points. And he was convinced he wanted trigger points to be a muscle disease so medicine would accept them. And I treated the nerve, I treated the muscle and the muscle belly and the joint. Nothing, nothing changed when I treated the muscle. I knew what his spine looked like. So I treated the facet joints, the cartilage, the bone, the periosteum, and I treated inflammation in the disc and the disc annulus. And all of the trigger points in his psoas, his QLs, and his lumbar paraspinals just disappeared. And he said, that's it, what did you do? I treated what caused the trigger points. So now we look at what's the cause. My favorite practicum to do, I have two favorites, but you look at the shoulder, right? Shoulder's complex, it's an impossible joint, right? But every single muscle in the shoulder is innervated by either C5 or C6. Every now and then there's a stray that goes to C7, but it's all coming out of the cervical spine. And In every single patient, if you can think of every patient in whom you put your fingers in their armpit, it's it's against the Geneva Convention, right? It is extremely painful. Why? Well, look at the anatomy. And running across the subscapularis is a subscapular nerve. The the subscapular nerve comes from C5-6. What's the first disc that degenerates in the cervical spine? 
C5-6. When a disc degenerates, what happens to the nerve? It gets inflamed. If you think back to pathology, every trainer knows about pathology. Inflammation leads to chronic inflammation, leads to adhesions, or leads to calcium influx, leads to scarring. So you put your fingers in somebody's armpit and you're pressing on the subscapular nerve. And when you have a frequency that releases scarring, well, quiets the inflammation in the nerve so the patient doesn't sweat and swear at you, right? <laughs> First you do that, and then the muscle softens, and then you move your fingers in a little bit more and you run the frequency to eliminate the scarring between the nerve and the fascia. And as you do that, you mobilize the shoulder into external rotation. The subscapularis is an internal rotator and an adductor. You with me? Yes. You guys, you guys, oh, yeah. know yes. so you know what I'm talking about. Internal rotator and adductor. Okay. If you are the cerebellum and it is your job to protect nerves and vital structures, are you going to allow external rotation and abduction? If there is a nerve stuck, scarred down to an internal rotator and adductor. No. No. Yeah, well, your brain you're would perceive that as a threat. Maybe yeah, as a threat. Yeah. yeah. It's going to shut exactly. it down. Right. So if you're the cerebellum, what are you going to do? Well, lock you it. turn down the strength. Well, you lock it. You turn down the strength in the external rotators and the abductors in the muscle. You turn down you inhibit the muscle. Well, if the muscle is inhibited or weak and you take you do a movement that requires external rotation and abduction, what's going to what's going to take the hit? The tendon. What are the most commonly injured tendons in the shoulder? Every single one of them is an external rotator and an abductor. Right. 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 Why? It's uh, where did it start? It's actually starting on it's, the opposite side, the opposite muscles on the opposite side that are either that are somehow protecting or find they they are sending the signal to the brain. This is a threat to me. And so and then, it inhibits the muscle. Right. Then the tendon takes the hit. <clears throat> and the other thing is that the patient presents with impingement because the teres and I think the infraspinatus and one of the teres has as their job to pull the humeral head down so that you don't smash into the supraspinatus tendon and bursa, right? Right. Well, so those muscles are inhibited so the humeral head doesn't get pulled down. So the patient comes in with a partial thickness tendon tear in the supraspinatus and a diagnosis of impingement syndrome. And people get suckered, hate to say it, but we get suckered into treating the bursa and the tendon. Is it ever, ever, ever going to work? No. But would you, the first thing we think of is go after the subscapularis because in 10 minutes, you can dissolve the adhesions in the nerve with absolutely no pain and then fixing the tendon, there's a frequency for torn and broken in the flat tendons 
and most of the ones in the shoulder are flat. It's time dependent, takes 60 minutes. And it takes a six month rehab and turns it into, I don't know, week, week and a half. Wow. It's, wow. it's, it's, and <clears throat> you, you wouldn't even think of this unless you had a tool that could dissolve scarring in the nerve in 10 minutes. It just makes it so much fun. Right. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so funny because I'm, I'm almost like, it's, it's making my brain hurt thinking of how many people I saw today, today with yeah. almost identical to what you just said. I mean, it was, I, John and I deal with a lot of pitchers, baseball mm -hmm. specifically. So you oh. are in our, I mean, you're in our wheelhouse of exactly well, what you just described. Oh yeah. And it gets even, it gets even better, especially cool. for pitchers. Yes. Okay. You ready? All right. Let's Absolutely. go. We'll take it to the next step. <laughs> After you free up the subscap, you know the part of the anatomy where the lats, the subscap, and the serratus all kind of overlap, mm -hmm. and the lats are adhered or run in, the long thoracic nerve runs in between the serratus and the lats, right? Okay. So yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Nerve runs down the length. The lats come this way, the serratus goes that way. You free up the subscap, and if you watch, so once you do start doing FSM, if you watch, they can do 180 abduction. Piece of cake. But you watch, and the motion isn't smooth. And what hangs up is the lat at the long thoracic nerve right along the serratus and that's pitchers their speed comes in internal rotation and if the lat is inhibited right so that a pitcher needs to drive the power that gives them a 90 mile an hour pitch it needs they need to drive it out of their low back if the lat is inhibited because it's adhered to the long thoracic nerve and it's it doesn't glide so you don't get the power translated from your low back to abduction mm -hmm. and then forceful in sort of basically internal rotation that's driven through the low back so when you deal with pitchers you teach them to connect their butt to their hand right well well neither one of us are pitch i'm not a pitching coach but we we condition them but i i'm going to i'm gonna i'm gonna ask that very question tonight <laughs> to my pitching coach yeah. buddy yes <laughs> so one of the next thing you do after you get the subscap released in almost anybody is you use that same frequency, but you have to change the position of the contacts. You have a towel around the neck because the long thoracic nerve is T1. You have a towel at the waist and you do the same thing. It's reduce inflammation in the nerves so they don't flinch and splint up. And then you find the part that hurts the most and that's where it's scarred. And then you take your hand and you peel the lat away from the serratus by 
running the frequency to eliminate scarring in the nerve, at which point it's loose. And then if you took Kim's sports course, you know that now that the muscle is free, the frequencies allow you to influence the limbic system, the midbrain, and reduce the fear, the subconscious fear of being injured or hurt. And then you have them do the motion that they do in their sport, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, doesn't matter. You have them do that motion while you run the frequency to increase secretions from the cerebellum because the cerebellum coordinates movement. Well, the cerebellum has no idea that the motion in the latissimus and the subscap in the whole shoulder complex just changed. It has no idea how to coordinate it. So unless you treat the cerebellum to re-coordinate it and you increase the coordination of the movement, the patient's going to act as if they're still injured. Yeah, that makes sense. So that that's almost yeah. that final. Yeah, that's almost. That, I can see why that's the kind of that the very end of the treatment there because you. Yeah, if you if you don't know how to use your new, you know your new lat, your new serratus, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to be kind of like okay, I have no. It's like your brain's not going to have a clue what it's got to do next. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I, like you said, influencing the limbic system. I mean, that's that is an unbelievable concept, and unbe- I mean, it's such a substantial part of of injury rehabilitation. I mean, I can think of multiple people off the top of my head that 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 was kind of an area that definitely we need to I need to improve on. I and mean, you're right. With FSM, because there's a frequency for the midbrain, mm-hmm. and because ten. 12 years ago, we learned how to treat PTSD and started to, I would say, experiment. It's clinical research. You try it, it works on one person, so you try it again, works on the second person, and after you've done it 50 or 100 times, and you're pretty sure it's going to happen again. So you can quiet the activity of the limbic system. There's a, a single frequency combination. And I started using it on chronic pain patients. Kim has found out as our sports director, sports coordinator, sports instructor, Kim has found out that that afraid to move it is the way we talk about it, that you have to use that frequency combination to quiet the limbic system as you, you have to do that first before you start retraining or it's never going to be smooth and confident because the fear is subconscious and the ability to manipulate the nervous system in real time is is the most powerful thing that we've come to I would say in the last seven or eight years 20 years ago I couldn't do what I do now and the the power of FSM is is in the frequency response that they always do what they're described as doing on this list that I got from this old osteopath who got it from a machine that was made in 1922 
And the problem I have intellectually is that all of the information about how somebody in 1920 or 22 decided that 89 hertz was the frequency that would affect the midbrain and 396 hertz was a frequency that was would affect that pesky long thoracic or subscapular nerve how did somebody how did somebody figure that out all of that is lost because they made frequency therapies illegal right in yeah. 1925 yeah. and when grandfather died well there was his library with all those books and all those journals and there were journals electromedical digest the pathometric society all there was seven eight thousand physicians in this country doing frequency medicine and it's it's just all gone so all i had is a list and then the desire the intention to help people and made missed a lot of things but learned a lot along the way and had just intense learning experience each time I treated somebody and the fact that it's reproducible it's like I can take John or you Chris and in in five days teach you everything you need to know and then the frequencies will teach you the rest of what you need to know over the next two to 20 years in the last six months i have used frequency combinations that i've never ever used ever before and it's like so the learning process is forever in sports it's fairly straightforward because you can repair a partial thickness <clears throat> achilles partial thickness tear in the shoulder in about two hours it takes another two weeks to rehab it but you it turns a six-month disaster into a yep two weeks and you don't have to believe me it's just fine half the time i do stuff i don't believe so mm -hmm. you're, you're we're, we're together in your skepticism you no reason you should believe me and then at the end of 60 minutes, the patient raised their arm and it doesn't hurt. And at the end of two weeks, they're back. It's just so much fun. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I've got a question. It's going to kind of veer off of the topic of the shoulder, but it goes back into, like you said, influencing the nervous system. And that's that's ultimately you know what, what we do. Like everything begins and ends with the nervous system it kind of regulates everything so without kind of digging into you know kind of what we do my question in that regard is i i'm going to go a little more specific like something like like a dysautonomia where like there is a dysfunction of the autonomic you know nervous system like you talk about eliminating the sphere concept and i just i really would like to hear your your take on that i mean is that, it's not really a question. It's just kind of me rambling thoughts because I'm just <laughs> processing everything you said. But oh, it gets worse, John. It's yeah. much worse. Well, Chris knows me. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like I say, it's it's regular. It's it's influencing the nervous system. 
but there's subconscious elements to that. And I think that's where you get into like a like dysautonomia where we're, there's a dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system and how microcurrent could assist with that. Well, it's, it's a very frequency-specific effect. One of our practitioners is an MD named Roger Billica. He was um, medical director for NASA for 10 years, and then he went into private practice in functional medicine in Colorado. And he wanted to know, we have a frequency for the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. In 2013, he did a study on heart rate variability, and he was the first guinea pig. And it was after lunch, so the parasympathetic system was dominant. And he ran the frequency to increase secretions in the sympathetics for one minute, 60 seconds. Then he waited for two minutes to make sure he was measuring the effect on the nervous system, not the presence of the frequency. And the patient was then sympathetic dominant. He drove the parasympathetics down by about almost 40%, right? Mm. Then he ran the frequency to quiet the parasympathetics for 60 seconds. Did another, waited two minutes, did another measurement, and the parasympathetics almost disappeared. There was like none. Then he ran the frequency to increase the parasympathetics for one minute, and they completely reversed. So he is now parasympathetic dominant again. And then he presented. I think 13 case reports of patients. So we know for sure we can address the peripheral autonomic system. But the peripheral system starts with the vagus nerve and the midbrain and the limbic system. So the vagus nerve comes out of the medulla. It goes to the vocal cords. It's why you have saliva. It's why you can swallow. It controls every muscle in your vocal cords except one. It right, so you have the vagus, and if there is a threat, if there is infection, stress, or trauma, the midbrain, the limbic system, the thalamus, the hypothalamus, that whole central autonomic system tells the vagus stand down. There is infection, stress, or trauma. Because one of the jobs of the vagus nerve is to suppress inflammation and suppress the immune system. Well, if you have an infection or a broken leg or a cut or you're being chased to the jungle by a tiger, you don't need to digest your food. You don't need your immune system quiet. And you certainly don't need your heart rate lower, which is what the vagus nerve does. So the limbic system perceives threat, <clears throat> infection, stress, trauma, quiets down the vagus, and stimulates the sympathetics. The wonderful thing for us is the frequencies for the vagus nerve and the midbrain and the sympathetics and the parasympathetics all seem to work. 
So my first experience treating the vagus nerve was in 2001, after I lectured for Jeff Bland. And a cardiologist called me and flew me down to Beverly Hills to work in his clinic. I'm a chiropractor from Oregon, just to put this in perspective, and I'm in a cardiologist's office in Rodeo Drive, okay? He brings in a patient who is in ventricular tachycardia. The patient's heart rate is 148. His ventricles were beating 148 times a minute. And I knew that the vagus nerve has its job to quiet the heart rate, to reduce the heart rate. So I ran increased secretions in the vagus. The patient's heart rate went from 148 to 72 in 30 seconds. And it scared the bejesus out of me. It's like, do not, I know we have a frequency for it, but don't treat the vagus. Well, then Diana Cross, one of our practitioners from Australia, came up and gave a lecture about Kevin Tracy's work. The vagus controls the immune system. If you want to drop inflammation, you can treat the immune system, but you're a lot better off to get the vagus working. And I'm thinking, my resting heart rate is 62. If I run increased secretions in the vagus and my heart rate drops to 27, I'm in big trouble. So I am the FSM lab rat. So I sat on the couch with a pulse meter on my finger and I wrapped around my neck because the vagus nerve comes out just behind your ears. And I put the other one on my abdomen, other contact on my abdomen. And I ran the frequency to increase secretions in the vagus. Made sure my will was made out, you know, <laughs> I was ready. <laughs> and I sat there and my heart, heart rate went from 62 to 61 and back up to 62. Hmm. So then the next week, I had a patient who was basically healthy, had an injury, and I said, would you mind if I tried something? So I ran increased secretions in the vagus. Once again, heart rate was 70, went down to 69, went back up to 70. After the first 50 patients, it became obvious that if you increase secretions in the vagus in someone whose heart rate is not elevated due to vagal dysfunction, doesn't do anything. But if you want to cure an autoimmune disease or affect an autoimmune disease or an inflammation condition, you increase secretions in the vagus, but you also have to quiet the midbrain that's telling the vagus that there is infection, stress, or trauma. So I tell people I run what we call the concussion protocol and vagal tone every single night. And they say, why do you do that? Well, number one, I'm 76. Number two, have, do you watch the news? <laughs> have, have you driven on the freeway to get home? That I'm here to tell you that if you've made it through the day, you have had stress. You may or may not have trauma, but by the time you're 76, there's bits and pieces falling off inside I don't even want to know <laughs> right. about. Right? So 
I turn the vagus on every night, keep my immune system as quiet as I can, keep my heart rate, my resting heart rate, 60 to 65, and I can't run anymore. I used to be a runner, rode horses. By the way, it works on horses. You put this thing on a horse who's had an injury, like one of our practitioners took pictures. He was working on racehorses. And the horse had seen him coming with his big old analog blue box and he used bath towels around the horse's neck and around their backside. And the horse would see the guy coming and go over and lean up against the wall because when a frequency <laughs> is correct, it makes the person sleepy. Yes. Knew. He knew what was coming. Guy right? was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've worked on, I've worked on our horses. Yeah. And uh, they they love it, yeah. They'll, uh, I mean, they literally just melt right there. You yeah, know? It's, yeah. It's so harmonic. that's the connection when you're doing rehab and injury recovery, and um, the acute injury stuff that we do. The first thing you do is stop the bleeding, then you turn down the inflammation, and what's interesting is the medical model for healing says you have to have inflammation because inflammation actually drops ATP and inflammation causes scar tissue and that's repair tissue. Well, after you do it 400 times, then you have to guess that there's a different model so with FSM, we stop the bleeding, we drop the inflammation, and we increase ATP. Normal healing requires that ATP goes down, and that creates scarring. If you, with FSM, keep ATP up, reduce inflammation, average, we cut healing time by 50%. Terrell Owens played in the Super Bowl six weeks after a career-ending injury. High ankle sprain, pinned his tibia to his fibula, open spiral fracture, ripped off his deltoid ligament, and in six weeks, he played like he'd never been hurt. I, re I remember that. And just to show you how resonance works and just how... God works and the universe you you did all that and I remember being a kid and I think that is seeing all that happen like how how is he back because both my parents are in the medical field and so I kind of grew up that way my parents were very good practitioners of what they did and that I think is something I've never shared with anybody that that story turned me on to something that there's something else out there and ultimately that you know it really kind of set the foundation for me to kind of get into this to a degree. I just, I wanted to share that with you. While I had the opportunity to, because so well, it was just, it's amazing. And now here we are talking. Yeah. And the, and the team kept me a secret because if I, if he failed, right, they didn't want people to know that they'd use something, this weird thing. Yeah. I treated Terrell when he was the year before, when he was in San Francisco, um, buddy prim, um, brought the whole, I guess, offensive line from San Francisco into a hotel room, and I treated, you know, 
treated six or eight of them all day on a Tuesday. And so the team didn't let anybody know that I was working on it. And when, I mean, I've worked on professional athletes and how would I put it? The people that brag about working on professional athletes, for me, they're insecure and unprofessional. So when this team with a very well-known quarterback calls me and the trainer talks to me, I said, well, I don't need another notch in my belt. What you get with me is confidentiality. I'll treat, you talk, you're allowed, I won't say a word. And that's, so it's, I learned a lot working on football players and a couple of baseball players. That was really fun. So I was, it was a privilege and he is the nicest kid. It was, it was great. And then all of the football players I've worked on, they just, Bill Romanowski, I will never in my life call him Romo. <laughs> and really, just no, it's, I don't know their stats. You know, I'm Dr. Mom and my job is to make their job easier. And so Bill was, he was, when I fixed his turf toe, that was the night he bought me a steak at Ruth's Chris. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So ask away. It's pretty, it's pretty fair trade right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> Wow. So uh, your dog, your story is it's incredible. I mean, we we could I could sit here and talk to you or listen to you for another two hours. Like and I've got lists and lists and lists of questions. But I literally look at this frequency list every day and it's always something new. There's all there's there are always questions. Um Well the, the way I feel about it is if I was the only one that could do it, wouldn't matter. It's like no. But the fact that after I'm gone, you and Chris will change lives, that's what's important to me. And that's yeah. that's what we do at Frequency Specific. So anybody yeah. that takes a seminar, that's what they get. My job yeah. is to make you capable of changing the world by changing even one life. That's all it takes. You change one life. And well, you change yes, ma'am. I mean, you're right. I mean, that, that's kind of our, our, that's our mission. I mean, our mission is to try to bring all this together. You know, there's just, there's so yeah. many things out there and, and frequency specific microcurrent is, you know, Garrett, like I said, Garrett, before the show, Garrett brought it into my world, you know, Garrett and I go way, way back. And, uh, yeah, it's been a game changer and we, we want to carry on this legacy and build, bring it, bring all this information to the forefront for people because of how much it can help. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for spreading the word and for, yeah. for having me on. It's great. Great to talk to you guys. Tell Garrett, I said, yeah, hi. yeah, we, I would love, I want to keep going. I know your time is valuable and want to be respectful of that. Um, doc, can you tell people where they can um, find you? Frequencyspecific.com is the website and um the resonance effect i saw it on your shelf the resonance effect is the best introduction it tells the story about how we developed fsm and everything you ever wanted to know about it and i just yep and that's the textbook 
Mm. And um, but frequenciespecific.com and find a seminar near you. This year we're going back to five day in person. You can take one video, and uh, I can't remember which one of you said it makes my brain hurt. <laughs> the the five day seminar is easier if you do it on video first and then take the five day in person, and it really does it does take it's easier. Sure. Um, it's okay. there's so much fun. I throw I throw chocolate. We have quizzes, <laughs> but I throw chocolate for correct answers. Um, and we have a good time. It's uh, it's fun. Can we can we call you awesome. next time we have you on? Can we call you Doctor Mom? Can we refer to you as Doctor Mom? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Doctor Mom. Well, this is the thing. I I feel like I should have a, a name badge where I switch from Doctor Carol because sometimes I'm right. Doctor Carol, and then sometimes without warning I switch to Doctor Mom and I'm all over your face. You know, it's just. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, we're going to get that made for you and I'm going to hold you to that. If I can get that made, then we get yes. you back on the show. Okay. That would be great. I, and it's, it's been really fun talking about this stuff. There's so much more. I mean, I could keep going for two hours. So I'd be happy to come back. And yeah. We would absolutely it. love to have you come back for sure. Um, you guys do for nice sure. work. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you very much. And seriously, guys, we've said it before, like the resonance effect, if you have not read it, you need to read the book. It is on, it is the number one book on my bookshelf when it comes to this stuff. It, it, it's a, it's really a game changer, something you'll, you'll really enjoy. Um, so check it out, take a look at our website. Uh, Doc, uh, we really appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for joining us and for all the work that you've yeah. done over the years. Um, yeah, we, we, we are I'm very grateful. Very Thank you so much. Yes. Very grateful. So have a great rest of the day. Have a great rest of the day, Doc. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.